Welcome to Litigation Briefs, media shorts on law and courts. I'm Scott Dodson, a distinguished professor of law at UC Hastings College of the Law and the director of the Center for Litigation and Courts, which produces this series. You may have heard about the infamous McDonald's hot coffee case from the early 1990s. A woman who spilled coffee in her lap sued McDonald's for keeping the coffee too hot and was initially awarded more than $2 million in damages. There's more to that story, of course, but the media and politicians used that headline to foment a public outcry against frivolous litigation. That outcry led to support for tort reform and other kinds of lawsuit controls. But was that lawsuit frivolous? And are frivolous lawsuits really a problem in our civil justice system? Here to help me with those questions is my guest, Bob Bone, the G. Raleigh White Teaching Excellence Chair at the University of Texas School of Law and author of the book, The Economics of Civil Procedure. Bob, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Scott. Well, let's get the McDonald's case out of the way. Was that a frivolous case? No, no, Scott, that was not a frivolous case. The plaintiff proved that McDonald's was at least in part responsible for her injuries. In fact, the evidence showed or supported uh, the conclusion that McDonald's intentionally sold its coffee hotter, substantially hotter than other restaurants in the area. And uh, people had complained, their customers had complained uh, about the hot coffee and complained about burns from that coffee. Uh, the plaintiff suffered very serious, very serious burns from the hot coffee that she purchased. And, and the jury found that plaintiff was at least partly responsible uh, for her injuries. And they discounted, reduced the damages they awarded to her to take account of her part, her responsibility for her injuries. So the defendant, McDonald's, ended up paying less damages than they would because the jury took account of plaintiff's contribution uh, to, the, uh, to her injuries. Now, I suspect that people think of this suit as a frivolous suit because they just can't imagine that individuals should be able to sue for something like hot coffee, and they object to the amount of damages that the plaintiff received. But often, often people change their minds once they understand the facts of the case. Well, let's turn to defining frivolous litigation. What is that? Oh, that's a very difficult question to answer. And there isn't a universally accepted definition of frivolous litigation. Uh, we can use for this pur for, for purposes of today, a working definition. And it includes two different kinds of cases. One case is the case where the plaintiff sues knowing that the suit is meritless, lacks merit. And the second kind of case is a case where the plaintiff sues when the plaintiff should have known that the suit is meritless. These cases would be ones in which the plaintiff, if the plaintiff had only conducted an investigation of the facts, a reasonable investigation of the facts before she sued, she would have discovered facts that showed that the suit lacks merit, but she didn't investigate uh, and just went ahead and sued. So I, I consider both of those kinds of litigation, frivolous litigation, one where the plaintiff knows and the other where she should have known. But we have to distinguish these cases from another kind, one where the lawsuit appears or seems to be meritorious at the time that the plaintiff sues, but is only later after, we, after the plaintiff gets discovery of facts, does she discover that the suit lacks merit. 
These cases are ones where the plaintiff actually does investigate as much as she can, as much as she reasonably can before filing suit, does not find facts that show her that the suit is meritless. She files suit and then she only discovers those facts later when she's given discovery, when the, she's able to force the defendant to turn over information or from some other sources later on. If we, if we condemn these lawsuits as frivolous, then what we'll end up doing is deterring a lot of meritorious litigation from being filed. After all, the plaintiff on these suits did what she could to figure out whether her suit was meritless. She couldn't do it with a reasonable investigation and she went ahead and sued. The litigation system we have, our system of courts and adjudication are supposed to be deciding meritorious suits. We don't wanna discourage plaintiffs from filing meritorious suits just, just because, uh, because they might be meritless and the plaintiff wasn't able to discover that beforehand. So the frivolous suits I'm talking about are ones where the plaintiff knows that the suit is meritless when she files, or the plaintiff doesn't do a reasonable pre-filing investigation, and that investigation would have discovered that the suit lacks merit. Why are those kinds of frivolous suits bad for society or for the judicial system? Well, there's lots of reasons for that. Are lots of lots of problems that frivolous litigation creates. I mean, for one, it adds litigation costs to the system. A meritless suit gets brought. Frivolous suit gets brought, uh, and uh, and obviously it consumes litigation resources. It, also, when frivolous suits are filed, it creates case backlogs and delays for other meritorious litigation. More suits in the system, the longer the backlogs for other suits, uh, and delays for other suits in the system. It also results in unjust settlements. When frivolous plaintiffs get settlements from the defendant, uh, it's not fair to the defendant. Uh, the defend obviously the frivolous plaintiff should not be getting a settlement at all. And also unjust settlements uh, uh, adversely affect the incentives of actors to comply with the law. If, if you're thinking about whether to comply with the law and you don't think, gee, you know, if I get sued, I could get sued by frivolous plaintiffs and I might have to be forced into a situation to settle those lawsuits or incur the litigation costs of defending, you're gonna be less inclined to comply with the law because the reward for your compliance has been reduced. And then finally, if the problem is serious and pervasive, then it's possible that individuals will lose faith in the integrity of the judicial system. So I count all of those uh, as, uh, as possible uh, uh, costs or harms from frivolous litigation. And I guess that's the key question. How, how serious is the problem of frivolous lawsuits? Well, you've asked the $64,000 question. Uh, this is a very, very difficult question to answer. Uh, it's hard to know how serious the problem is because it's hard to measure and, and identify frivolous suits. Now there's lots of anecdotal evidence. People talk about frivolous litigation, uh, but when they talk about frivolous litigation, most of the time they're relying on anecdotes or impressions and anecdotes are not reliable. Uh, they give us some clues, you know, you can't ignore them completely, but they're not reliable empirical evidence of the existence of frivolous litigation. They're motivated by lots of things and they're, they're obviously, uh, obviously anecdotes aren't tested empirically. Now there are some empirical studies of the extent of frivolous litigation. 
but not many, and it's very hard to do them. Uh, as I said before, one of the reasons for that is it's difficult to identify whether a suit is meritless or meritorious. And, and one of the reasons for that is that these suits will settle or they get dropped, but there's lots of reasons that plaintiffs might drop a suit, uh, even if the suit is not meritless. So it's difficult to identify uh, difficult to identify the subject of an empirical investigation in this area. Um, but it does appear from the empirical studies that we do have that frivolous litigation is not a problem that's pervasive across all types of litigation. It tends, if there is a problem, it's likely to be concentrated on particular types of litigation, uh, such as large complex cases and perhaps some other types as well. Uh, now, it, it's hardly surprising that we're not picking up empirical studies that are conducted a serious frivolous suit problem because we already have controls in place in our litigation system to try to deter those suits. So your empirical study is obviously uh, looking at the litigation system as it exists and that litigation system already has some controls for frivolous litigation. Not surprising then that empirical studies might not pick up uh, on a lot of frivolous litigation because there might not be a lot of frivolous litigation. And what are those controls? What measures does the system have already to discourage frivolous suits? So there are a variety of controls or measures that uh, try to deter frivolous suits. Uh, there are sanctions, penalties. Courts can impose penalties on frivolous suits. Of course, they have to identify the suit as frivolous in order to impose the penalty or the sanction, but sanctions are available. Uh, if a defendant, uh, if a defendant um, uh, can show that the plaintiff filed the suit in bad faith and the suit lacked merit, uh, then the defendant can sometimes get the plaintiff uh, to pay its litigation costs and fees in a system that otherwise each party bears their own. Um, and, and at least in theory, uh, a, an attorney who files a frivolous suit can be disciplined by the bar. And there are other measures as well, other controls, both procedural and also uh, other things. What about um, cases in which there's asymmetry of information about the merits? Yeah, so here's what we have to look at here. So there are these controls in place, but it's very useful to think about whether there would be frivolous litigation without these controls. So imagine a litigation system where we're not doing anything about frivolous suits, nothing at all, no measures to deter them. Would plaintiffs file frivolous suits? Well, this is an important question to think about because if the answer is no, they wouldn't be inclined to file them anyway, there's no reason for us to do anything about the problem. Why? Because any measures we implement are gonna be costly themselves. They're gonna create other costs. They're gonna create the litigation costs of enforcing the measures and they're gonna create other costs as well. So, let's, we, so it's useful to first think about, gee, is there a problem if we don't have controls? And then secondly, what kinds of cases might the problem arise in? Because if we can answer that question, or at least we can think about it, then maybe we can target our regulation, our control measures to the particular kinds of cases where the problem might be serious. And when you think about this, and I hasten to add, I'm not thinking about it through empirical evidence, I'm thinking about it through examining the strategic, or thinking about the strategic incentives that attorneys might have uh, to bring these suits. There is one kind of uh, litigation where it's probably not likely that frivolous suits are a big problem. And those are suits in which both sides know the suit is meritless. 
So the plaintiff knows the suit is meritless before she files suit, but the defendant also knows the suit is meritless. Think, for example, of a slip and fall case. So we can imagine a case in which an individual is walking around in the grocery store shopping for groceries, and there's a puddle of water in the aisle. Now, this individual trips over his shoelaces, but he sees the puddle of water, and we're assuming he's not a person of great integrity, says, gee, I could, I could sue the owner of the grocery store and allege that I slipped on that puddle of water that the grocery store owner had not cleaned up. So they could bring a negligence suit against the grocery store owner, arguing that the grocery store owner didn't use reasonable care to eliminate, to wipe up the puddle of water. And he would allege that he slipped on that puddle of water and it caused his injuries. Now let's suppose in this case that there are five witnesses who saw him trip on his shoelaces, not slip on the puddle of water. And let's assume as well that the grocery store owner what happened to be in the aisle and saw this happen. Now, this is a situation where both sides know if this person files that the suit is meritless. Obviously, he knows the suit is meritless. And so does the grocery store owner, since she saw him trip on his shoelaces. Moreover, it's extremely unlikely that our plaintiff here will be able to recover anything at trial, will be able to win at trial. After all, there'll be six witnesses the five witnesses plus the grocery store owner against his testimony. Extremely unlikely that a jury would believe his testimony over the six witnesses that saw him trip over his shoelaces. So this is definitely a losing case. It's not just a losing case. It's a case in which the plaintiff has a likelihood of winning a trial of maybe virtually zero. Well, in this kind of case, the plaintiff might still sue just to try to get a settlement. But the problem here is, right, that the defendant knows the suit is meritless, so the defendant is going to be disinclined to settle. Now, when you work this out, and I won't do it here, we don't have time, but when you work this out, what you could discover through this sort of abstract thinking about attorney incentives is that, A, first of all, it's unlikely that the plaintiff will file, but when the plaintiff does file and the plaintiff gets a settlement, the settlements are likely to be very small, small nuisance settlements. Now, the defendant can sometimes retaliate against these suits by refusing to settle and developing a reputation for fighting frivolous suits. This would be like your grocery store owner faces potentially a lot of these frivolous suits down the road. So that too will deter plaintiffs from filing in the future. So when you put it all together, this kind of case is unlikely to create a serious frivolous suit problem where both sides know the suit is is, is, uh, is meritless. So this is a kind of, if you will, informal control, right? There's no kind of official controls in place. I assume there weren't any, but they're kind of informal controls here. Now, again, I hasten to add that, that I'm not arguing from empirical evidence. I'm arguing from thinking about party uh, lawyer incentives in these kinds of cases in a more theoretical way, the strategic incentives uh, and how they might influence behavior, but I think it's a useful way to think about the problem when you don't have robust empirical evidence uh, to rely upon. I see. So when the parties both have a lot of information, the same information about the merits of the suit, their uh, own individual 
incentives will basically cause the suit not to be filed or to be settled at a very low value. And so such frivolous suits aren't really a problem. But what about when one party has information about the cases about the case that the other doesn't? Like, what if your slip and fall person slipped when and no one else saw? Yeah, these are. This is a much more difficult situation to think through. Uh, and here is where there might be a frivolous suit problem. But let me explain a little bit here. So, so you you imagined exactly the right hypothetical. Let's take the first kind of case. This is a case in which the plaintiff. The plaintiff knows the suit is meritless, but the defendant does not. So in our grocery store example, in your hypothetical, the plaintiff, the person who fell, knows obviously that he's, he tripped over his shoelaces. He didn't slip on the puddle of water. But the grocery store owner didn't see it in this new hypothetical, and there are no witnesses to the event. So she's not sure whether the suit is meritless or meritorious. Now, in this kind of situation, right, it's possible that a plaintiff could leverage the defendant's ignorance or at least uncertainty, to extract a substantial settlement. And the way the plaintiff will do that, right, is the plaintiff will, will sue it, and the plaintiff will behave as if he is meritorious, if, he's, if he has a meritorious suit. Since the defendant doesn't know for sure, right, if the plaintiff can convince the defendant, or at least if the situation is such that the defendant is going to is going to be is going to give the plaintiff a settlement out of fear that the that the case might actually be meritorious. And since the plaintiff isn't signaling any meritlessness because the plaintiff is behaving exactly as if they had a meritorious suit, the defendant in these cases might offer the same settlement to the meritless plaintiff as she would offer to a meritorious plaintiff. She doesn't know who is who. The plaintiff successfully masquerades as meritorious. The defendant says, okay, I'll buy you off with a substantial settlement, thinking that there's a significant enough probability that the suit might be meritorious to make it worthwhile to do that. So these cases get a little complicated, but the strategic incentives drive, can drive substantial settlements. The other thing that strategic incentives here can do is make it very difficult for meritorious plaintiffs to settle their cases. That's a little more complicated. But after all, our defendant thinks, well, with some probability, this plaintiff is meritless. So they may not be inclined all the time to give a substantial settlement. But when that plaintiff is meritorious and they don't get a substantial settlement, it makes it difficult to settle the case. This increases litigation costs and obviously reduces the net recovery uh, of meritorious plaintiffs. But it's hard to know how often this scenario happens. Uh, and again, because it's hard to get empirical evidence uh, of meritless litigation. Now, the other kind of asymmetry of information, right, is when the defendant knows that the suit is meritless, but the plaintiff does not. This one is the hardest of all to think through. Uh, in this kind of case, that frivolous suit is a suit in which the plaintiff doesn't do a reasonable pre-filing investigation. After all, remember what I said before, right? If a plaintiff doesn't know, but doesn't know because it's hard to get the facts and she investigates, that's not a frivolous suit. A frivolous suit is one where the plaintiff doesn't investigate and the suit turns out to be meritless. So in these cases, the plaintiff has not done an investigation, doesn't know whether her suit is meritless or meritorious. She's counting, she's counting on getting information cheaper some other way during the litigation, which is why she doesn't investigate or getting a settlement from the defendant without having to litigate the case and spend that money. 
Uh, and the defendant, however, does know that this suit is meritless. These are tricky. And I'll just say what, when you think it through under different scenarios, what you can come up with is number one, that meritless suits can get substantial, uh, can get, uh, meritless suits can get settlements. Right? The, uh, the plaintiff with the meritless suits can get unjustified settlements sometimes in these. Uh, meritorious suits are more difficult to settle. And sometimes, sometimes meritorious suits settle for much less than they should. Again, all because there are meritless suits in the system and plaintiffs aren't investigating before filing suit. So, so the, the, upshot, the upshot is that frivolous litigation might be a problem in these asymmetric information scenarios, scenarios where one side knows and the other doesn't. But it's important to emphasize that these predictions, again, are theoretical, looking at strategic incentives, uh, and they're not, they're not based on rigorous empirical evidence. It's hard to find that evidence. In the absence of that evidence, can the theoretical analysis help us design measures to deter frivolous lawsuits? I think it can, um, and uh, it's a good question. Uh, I think what the analysis does is it helps us target cases where the problems are likely to be serious, to think rigorously about how we might deal with the problems in those kinds of cases. And it also helps to guide and focus empirical work in this area to the extent we can do empirical work. It tells the empiricists kind of where the problems might lie and what kind of variables might affect the extent of frivolous suits. So your empiricists can test the presence of frivolous litigation indirectly by looking for those variables. So, so there's a number of benefits here, but let me just, uh, let me just uh, uh, amplify on, on the solution side of this a bit. So, so one, thing, one thing it tells us is where the problem is not, right? Uh, there's probably not much of a problem when both sides know this suit is meritless. There are kinds of litigation where, where this might be the case, right? For example, a breach of contract, construction contract claims, breach of contract cases in the construction area, maybe other breach of contract cases. Um, so again, in that area, we might not need much, if any, substantial controls for frivolous litigation, and we save the costs of having them in that area. Also, it tells us what kind of problems might arise when we do have a problem. Uh, and one thing it tells us that is not necessarily intuitive is that meritorious plaintiffs are harmed by the presence of meritless suits. And they're harmed in a particular way. Sometimes they might get a, a lower recovery than they otherwise should, but much more often, they're, they have trouble settling their cases because of the presence of meritless suits. That, as I said before, reduces their net recovery. So knowing where the problem lies, if there is a problem, right, is important for thinking about possible targeted solutions. Solutions, maybe not, where both sides know, and solutions where one side knows and the other does not might be aided by knowing what kinds of problems those create in particular. Do you, you have any ideas about some possible solutions? Yeah, so um, I do. I, I have some ideas, of course. Um, I, I wanna start by saying it, it's very important to realize 
that whatever solution we adopt to deter or discourage frivolous suits is very likely to also discourage meritorious suits. So what we need to do ideally is deter as many frivolous suits as we can without deterring, discouraging too many meritorious suits. So this is a tricky business. You've got a balance you've got to strike here. One thing we could do is since there doesn't seem to be that much of a problem when both sides know the suit is meritless, maybe one solution is to get more information out so that in these asymmetric information cases, both sides learn that the suit is meritless or meritorious early on in the litigation before a lot of litigation costs are spent and where and before our meritless plaintiff can really leverage a settlement. So if we can get information out early in this suit, that would be ideal. There are different ways to do this. I mean, one way is, for example, to encourage plaintiffs to conduct investigations before filing. Uh, of course, you need to figure out how to do that. Uh, and of course, it would only be in cases where the, uh, where the plaintiff uh, uh, could perhaps find out with a reasonable pre-filing investigation, but we might want all plaintiffs to do reasonable pre-filing investigations uh, because sometimes that will uncover evidence the suit is meritless and, 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 they, won't, uh, and they won't perhaps file. Um, so uh, so it's, it would be good to do that. The other thing is uh, it, would be, it, it might help a lot in these cases to have some way of getting information or core information disclosed early in the suit. And there are ways to kind of maybe stage discovery so that you can get some of that core information out uh, and, uh, and at least for some of these cases, allow the parties to identify the merits or lack thereof uh, of, of the lawsuit. Now, now there, are, there are other possibilities as well. All of them are difficult to implement. All of them we have to be mindful not to deter too many meritorious suits. And in particular, we might be quite concerned, or maybe we should be most concerned about cases that have substantial social value. Um, and one category of case uh, that fits the bill are civil rights suits. So we might want in civil rights suits to be particularly solicitous of meritorious, of allowing meritorious suits to be filed. And therefore we might tolerate more frivolous litigation if the controls that we are thinking about would deter too many meritorious suits. So in those kinds of cases, we might want the balance to strike much more in favor of allowing meritorious suits. And therefore we might tolerate to the extent there are significant frivolous suits. We might want to tolerate many more of those than otherwise. Well, Bob, thank you very much for joining me today and for helping me answer the question, are frivolous lawsuits a problem? Well, thank you, Scott. It was a real pleasure. This episode was sponsored by the Center for Litigation and Courts at UC Hastings College of the Law. If you enjoyed this episode of Litigation Briefs, I hope you'll tune in to future episodes. In fact, I hope you'll consider subscribing to our YouTube channel and our audio podcast which can be accessed through the Center for Litigation and Courts website at sites.ucthastings.edu slash CLC. While you're at it, encourage a friend to do the same.
This is litigation briefs, respectfully submitted, Scott Dodson.